Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday from inside the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Joining me today, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty. I'm DP Sidhu. Hey guys, welcome back. The gang's back together again. Hey. And welcome back, be, Mark. We're going to be at Fuddruckers Greenway in two weeks. How about oh, that? With a right. guest oh, well, to be that's, announced. That's news to me. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm literally learning things yes. on this show already. You're having dinner at Fuddruckers. You're having a milkshake. All of Sweet. it. Sweet. I just spoke with the uh, promotions team today. They're ready to rock and do their Texans bingo, which they play during the commercial break. So that's two weeks from today. They're really good at that, yeah. It's a lot of fun, actually. I feel like they sometimes wait for us to stop talking so they can get back to their bingo cards. But we usually do do an off-season show. Mm -hmm. Rickers hadn't done one yet. Yep. So that'll be right before the draft. Yeah, the week before the draft. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know when the schedule comes out. Everyone asks me this. It might might come out that night. It It might come out while we're on air. I'll have a prediction here. The preseason schedule should be out by then, at the very oh. least. Are you going to do your top five preseason plays now <laughs> you know updated? I will. Now updated with our new players. <laughs> Wait, now updated. Was there anything great last year preseason-wise? Nothing's wise? come close, DP, to the Tom Savage to Travis Labhart uh, <laughs> miracle in Denver that what about Mark in LA? loves and talks about every single In miracle. LA, the, lo- the long field goal to end the game that – it's Mark Vandermeer's uh, we miss it? fetish I think we missed it. preseason great moments. Jacoby Jones. Are you talking about, the, you're talking about uh, almost Nick by Rose, uh, that, that, that would we win at Los Angeles yes. on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, didn't happen. Almost didn't Nick happen. by Rose. I, it's got a name. That means it's got to be one of the top five. <laughs> How about Case Keenum starting against Dallas week four, 2013? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ryan, Ryan Griffin, Ryan Griffin starting or setting the uh, all-time receiving record <laughs> for preseason. For preseason. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a dubious honor. It's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm playing in a lot of these preseason games. I'm playing in a lot of these game fours. You know, yes. if you play in game four a lot, might not be the best thing. And I'm not saying he has. I'm just saying in general. Deontay Foreman had some nice plays this rookie year too in the preseason. He did. He had the longest run and the longest. Receiving yeah, play in as the a his- rookie. In the history of preseason football for the Houston Texans? I don't know. I mean, it could have been broken I by don't now. Know. Sounds good it, enough to me. But for that preseason, mm-hmm. definitely. All right, we got some hot reads to get into, some and big news. Big breaking stories in, today. In an offseason, um, I guess, where do we start? We'll start with the the story of the day. Yep. Andre Hal, this comes as a total surprise, actually. It does. It does. Uh, safety Andre Hal decides that he's going to retire. It's right. The, the good news is it's nothing to do with the cancer. Right. He's healthy. And that was the first question I had. I think it's the first question everybody has. As, as I've told people in the building this afternoon, that's the first question everybody has. And the answer is no. It's not about health. He's healthy. He's recovered. And I guess it's always a thing that you're monitoring. There's no doubt about that. But he wants to pursue other things. And it, it's funny because Andre Ware once told me that a player knows and it might not happen when you think it's supposed to happen. You know, maybe he could play another few f- years. I would think so at least, right? But sometimes a player just knows everything he has to go through in order to play, and he just decides, nope, I'm good. Well, you were good about you tell us the news, and for a very like glimmer of a second mm-hmm. in my mind, not even a second, I was, I was paralyzed. I thought, oh, no. Like yeah. it's the cancer. It's the no, first it's the cancer. Thought. It's come oh, back. Oh, first yeah, for, but you were very good about <laughs> like, what are we going to do Safety about position. football? You were very good about <laughs> that saying was two. Andre Howe retired, and it's not cancer related. But yeah. in between, and you did it basically in that that at that speed. But in yeah. between the retire and not cancer related, I thought, oh no, it's coming back. But then you quash it. So hey, he just got named the Ed Block Courage Award winner for everything he went through and yep. came back from. It's Had like, three interceptions in eight games. It's like yeah, it's like Tremendous. Andre said. He knows. I mean. He's, these guys are putting their, their livelihoods, their bodies on the line. 
when they walk on the field, if anyone wants to call it, they can call it. I know he's very involved in this motivational speaking. He's been doing some stuff this offseason. You know, I wonder if he's pursuing other opportunities in that field. It'd be great to sit down with him and sort of pick his brain on how – uh, you know, where he sees his future going. I, I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. I'm very sad, though, that being said, yeah. that it's not here because yeah. I thought it was a big opportunity for him, especially with um, the way the safety position group yeah. is shaping up. You know, in free agency, we know Tyron Matthew, Kareem Jackson no longer here. You've got Tashawn Gibson, you've got Justin Reed, and then you've got Andre Howell. And, uh, you know, he really liked the direction that he was trending. It's a big blow to your safety depth because, yes, you lose Matthew and Kareem and you thought Howe would be a reserve and play a lot, really, with Gibson here and Justin Reed, who had an outstanding rookie campaign, and now you got to fortify there again. Andre Howe, once upon a time, a seventh-round draft choice corner who, who yeah. transitioned to safety. And, look, there's going to be an opportunity for somebody to come in here and get some good snaps as a reserve at safety and maybe have to start depending on injury and things like that. So we'll see how they handle it. I know they have other options on the depth chart as well, but it's going to be a position that they got to sort of go get somebody right now. And I don't know how it would have affected their plans with Matthew and Kareem had they known this a month ago. I got a feeling it wouldn't have done much, but you never know. Well, that's it's a surprise. We'll be following it as as uh, it continues to develop. I'm sure. I hope we see him around mm-hmm. at camp, and we yeah. see him as an ambassador. I hope he he sticks around because I really liked what he what he brings. Smart guy went to Vanderbilt. I think he'll be just fine. All right. Another note of news. Another hot read. The Houston Texans hired Jack Easterby as executive vice president of team development. Jack Easterby, coincidentally, is my neighbor across the hallway. Oh, across the hallway. Yes. I, I thought you were going to say Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> not in houses, but just in offices. I haven't had a chance to meet him because obviously everybody on that side of the building is busy with draft meetings. Oh, yeah. They just sort of go under and you, you hear the door open once every few hours and, and then they're back in there. I've again. tried to meet him, but he's on the phone or talking to people all the time. And he's a very impressive individual. If you read about him, his time with the New England Patriots. It's like you it, said, he levitates. Yeah, it's, it's almost too impressive. It's... Uh, the Patriots say such glowing things about him. I read a story about him helping out the Kansas City Chiefs after the Javon Belcher murder-suicide. Romeo oh, Cornell wow. was the head coach, and they flew him in. He talked to players. He really made a big difference in the their organization recovering from such a tragic and traumatic event. He just has this air about him, apparently, and he's, he's a team development coach. Well, I can't call him coach. He's executive vice president of team development. So whatever they call him, he helps out the players in a psychological sense. It'll be very interesting to see how things unfold here. But I think a lot of it will be hard to quantify, maybe. You won't really know it's him, but he'll make a difference in people's lives because the quotes from players that have been close to him are just monumentally profound. I mean, you really get the sense that this guy does make a difference in people's lives. Skill set and background is very unique because he does a little bit and has done a little bit of everything. He started out in football development and as far as, like, contracts and, and spreadsheets and stuff like that didn't like it so he went to the, to theological school basically mm-hmm. and so he's got a, a bit of a religious background theological background yeah he was the team chaplain for that kansas city chiefs team that mark mentioned yeah but then you'll see pictures of him you know holding a tackling dummy and he'll get involved in drills and stuff like that so he's kind of all-encompassing and he, yep. he kind of it, it, it permeates his pre- his presence was, is all over the football team both on the football side on the the, the planning side, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like Mark said, everybody talks well about him, not just players. Like he had Bill Belichick's ear, evidently. Yeah. 
and everybody in between Belichick mm-hmm. and the 53rd guy on the roster there. You talk about uh, as far as front office and whatnot. So he's across all from DP. That's right in the, the middle of everything yeah. in terms of the football offices. So he's going to be somebody that you'll see quite a bit of and see around the building uh, on a regular basis. A lot of other teams were interested in him, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to get this done quickly because they felt it was a great match, both sides, obviously, because they made the deal. But there was interest from a lot of different people around the National Football League for his services once he became available. Bit of a reun- reunion for him. He's going to be near Romeo Cornell, like we mm-hmm. talked about, the, the Kansas City Chiefs connection there because Romeo was, was with them back when all that went down. Yep. He says, it says in the press release he served as a team athlete development consultant for multiple NBA teams, USA Basketball, several other Olympic teams, and he's mentored numerous PGA Tour players as well as Major League Baseball players. Mark, I think that uh, you want to work on your golf swing. This is your guy. Uh, I don't know if it's the golf swing. I think it's the golf brain that he'll really help with. That's and what maybe, I meant. And yes. I think he's a really good golfer, by the way, so maybe he could actually help me out with the swing. Well, another reason Wouldn't he, be difficult. he fits in well, it's not just the Romeo Cornell connection. He's he's from South Carolina, too, so oh, he's yeah. going to meld nicely with a Palmetto Sean, State DeAndre guy. And all those no, guys. I've got one better for you, Drew. I'm looking at the release. One of his daughter's names, Houston. There you go. It was meant to be. That's why. That's why he chose the Texans. Anyway, I mean, I, I, I like I like additions like this. These, uh, and this is not so much under the radar, but it's subtle in the sense that you know he's not an offensive coordinator or something like this, or a high profile player, but he's a guy who can make a difference psychologically. I like these changes in this organization. Bill O'Brien with the Tim Kelly and Doug West helping him out as an assistant, and then you look at. Jack Easterby and just things like this to help, you know, gradually one percent at a time rise the tide. Boy, that sounded pretty good. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. All right, those those are your hot reads. Also uh, <laughs> coming, <laughs> like I don't even know how to transition from that, Mark. Uh, two weeks away, less than two weeks away, off season workouts. Can you believe that the NFL April announced 15th, their dates yeah. yesterday? Mm-hmm. And on April fifteenth, players are going to start reporting for phase one of the nine-week off-season workout program. I've seen players in and around the building as it is anyway, but that's sort of the formal, they can all come back and begin off-season workouts here. Obviously, it's voluntary, mm-hmm. so several teams, yeah, a, a number of, teams, of teams have already started. Yeah, the teams of new head coaches all started you know, yeah. This week or they'll start Yeah, like Cleveland week. started up because they have Freddie Kitchens, and I'm sure Odell was very pleased to uh, <laughs> get to work early in the city by the lake. Hey, that thing went pretty well. We can talk about that. His press conference uh, riveting. Oh, I saw the Kim Jones interview on NFL Network with him today. I watched the replay of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't horrible, (laughs) but it wasn't exactly like, woohoo, Browns. He was very resigned to the fact that I'm in Cleveland. (laughs) And uh, yes, I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you find yourself in Cleveland. Sometimes you're just in Cleveland, and you just got to make the best of it. I like Cleveland. I wish we went there more often, honestly. I've been there once, and I'll always think fondly of it. That was was the time when Mallett made his first start. Yeah. J.J. Watt J.J. Watt touchdown. That was was a fun game. Alfred Blue had, what, like 300 200 yards. yards, (laughs) Yeah, 300. (laughs) 300 yards on 67 carries. The now Jaguar (laughs) Alfred Blue had an NFL rushing record. No, Brian Cushing was walking out from inside the – tunnel oh that's right snow was dripping from these gross bleacher seats and he opened his mouth and drank it oh they gotta they gotta show that to the (laughs) current players that video no no yeah because now he's he's, you know he's sports performance right it's like (laughs) this will really help your game drink rusty water this will this will build up your immunity guys Mm -hmm. i showed i I showed him that video on an ipad and began one of my get to know interviews oh that's right by asking him like what the hell is wrong with you (laughs) And so what did he, he say? 
Uh, I think I caught him off guard because I didn't use the word hell. I used something else, and, and he was. He was oh, 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 he's oh, like, what, what is he gonna? What is you he? like to do that on Get to Know and then <laughs> yeah. cut that part out? Yeah. I like that. Got him good. All right, former Texan Alfred Blue. He did sign a one-year contract with the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to get into that with John Harris a little bit later on in the oh, show. Oh, you are. He's going to talk to us about running backs. Mm-hmm. What happens now with draft strategy? Does it change? Does it not change? And who would Johnny like to see? Uh, join the Texans. You know, on the morning show, they were saying, what do they see at Alfred Blue? And I think Seth Payne said Brandon Jacobs. Alfred Blue is not Brandon Jacobs. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, like, I like Alfred Blue a lot. Jacobs at times was just such a freak. Uh, Knock said, people, people said, over, run fast. You know, Blue is not a freak. He's a real solid player, great special teams, can give you that Hundy plus on occasion, no doubt, can give you some burst on occasion, but he's not that. I think he said that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars saw in here. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what oh, they were okay. talking not, about. Not the that's, Texans, right? No, they, like yeah, Tom definitely. Coughlin was yeah. looking at him. No, if the Texans Jacobs. saw that and were getting that, he would still be, he would here. Still be here. Whether yes. Blue is coming back or not, I'd, I'd still be surprised if the Texans don't draft a running back at some point yeah whether yeah. he was here or, or, or not i i think it's all but certain they're gonna draft i like who they have to begin with with lamar miller sure. and deontay foreman i want to add to the mix they're, though. they're gonna add pieces though no they, doubt they said so at yeah, the combine. they have they to have a committee and running back crew. they have to do it i mean if you want to get excited just look on deontay foreman's instagram posts he's out there working out looks as good as can be yeah uh, that'll get you pumped up for the season. Uh, Bill O'Brien's apparently been watching that because he's heard good reports about him. And I think, I think that's what he was well. referring to. <laughs> Maybe. Instagram. O'Brien spends a lot of time on IG. He follows Obviously. J-Lo. You know. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll go around the league. We'll talk a little bit more about off-season workouts. And then later on, John Harris joins us. I'll ask him about pro days, what his impressions were of Ed Oliver. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back for Texans All Access. It's April 2, which means that yesterday was April 1. And, uh, guys, a few teams had some fun with uh, the April Fool's Day joke, which I hate. I hate April Fool's Day jokes. Why? Uh, because I just I don't like practical jokes. They make me very uncomfortable. I don't like it when everybody's in on a joke and someone else isn't. You never know how somebody might react to it. You might make them, like, violently angry. I get violently angry. Did you get violently angry when the Texans – we're coming back from the Kansas City preseason game and driving to the airport. Yes, I did get by at like 2 in the morning or 1 in the morning. Oh, because Drew said we had to go to Jefferson City. Yeah, it's like the, I guess the drive was taking a little the while. The drive was taking a and I'm a very impatient person. Like, time goes by very quickly in my head. So we're on okay. the bus, and DP Group texted us. And I, I, was I was like, said, where are we going? Why is this taking so long? I said we had to get rerouted to Jefferson City, Missouri. <laughs> She believed it. Well, you, you had your normal Drew response, which was like an explanation of what. Because I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, why would we be going there? And then I Googled how far it was, and it was like a three-hour drive. Yeah. And I'm like quietly losing my mind on the back of the and bus. That was the return trip from the Greenbrier, so you hadn't been home in a oh, few yes, weeks. Oh, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. I was already itching to yeah. get home. Yeah. And then I think I showed Mark the text, who right away was like, Drew is just messing with you. Because yeah. Mark was like, I would have known about this. Yeah, I've fallen for Drew's stuff. He's a practical joker. And I don't it made like- me so it made me angrier to know that he was joking than the actual having to go to Jefferson City if that's possible. I have a friend Charles who every April 1st sends me an email. This trade makes no sense. You know, <laughs> yesterday had Watson shipped to Arizona for the number 1 pick and 
You know, it's funny because like I still fall for the subject heading a little bit. This trade, I'm like, what? Oh, it's April first. He get, <laughs> so he does get me a little bit every year. It's and I should know better, but this is just how it works. Well, a very famous NFL player by the name of Tom Brady decided to get on Insta or on Twitter yesterday mm-hmm. for the first time. He tweeted out in his first official tweet, "I'm retiring. In my spare time, I'll be tweeting." Oh Can you my gosh! People fell for this. And they I did. I don't people, think anybody fell. A few, I think a few people fell. Oh, for I'll it. bet a lot of people fell. And for a lot, that. he got a lot of followers too. I have to say, because then sure. he said, "Oh, bad joke." He he did come back and correct it, but the the gifts were really funny. People reacting, Patriots fans, and then everybody else. <laughs> oh, oh, everybody else like, oh, darn yeah, no, it! Get out of here. Uh, also, the Chicago Bears posted a, a really funny video saying that they were going to wear triple digit jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> to commemorate their 100th season, and they had they had an interview with uh, Mitch Trubisky wearing like 110. <laughs> it looked so ridiculous. Oh, that's so good. But they had everybody talking about it. They had their execs talking about like how important it is, and they want to commemorate the 100th season. Like, oh my gosh, it, that is really good. And then at the end, he he gets up from you know he takes his mic <laughs> off and he gets up and on the back it says April Fools. <laughs> I oh. saw see I saw the, another player, and I just didn't really I saw the one two nine or the one two four. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, it's something with the hundredth anniversary. And I just like kept. He was like, "This I is dumb." I know. I didn't. I didn't judge it. I just didn't think it was. A, I didn't know it was. I, in Chicago, I bet it played great. Though. Yeah, I'm sure it was awesome. I, do you remember a few years ago when the Colts unveiled their new unis, uh, white on white with white numbers with white letters? <laughs> <laughs> Mark's worst nightmare. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think that's luck with the ball. That's right. That's luck for sure. That must be Ty because he's. <laughs> Mark doesn't even like when players wear yellow shoes because it looks too much like the flags. Oh, uh, I don't like that at all. I mean, I, I think it's so a very serious. fair game. He's yes. very serious. Yellow about shoes should be disallowed. Should by be the banned. League. Oh yeah, no way. No yellow shoes. <laughs> I, thought, I thought those. I thought those were. What can we do next? A battle red uniforms with red lettering and red. Red helmets, helmets. with red bull heads. <laughs> and we're gonna paint the field red. <laughs> Oh, show meeting. Here we go. That's next year's <laughs> joke. Painting the field red. Because Eastern Washington, they did a while ago. Yeah. I don't know if they've changed it back. Yeah, I haven't looked lately. But, but Boise they, has the blue field. They have the, red, the red field. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. got a gray field. Oh, it's uh, is it Central Arkansas with a gray field? Boy, they need better pub. If I, I think I'm... a deep steel blue field would be sharp. Ooh, a deep steel blue field. Sharp. Yeah. Birds are going to fly into it thinking. <laughs> it's water. <laughs> it's probably an NFL thing, though. Like, you can't change the color of the field. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. No, they, they are very particular about the – you have to get permission to put RCM to commemorate sure, Mr. Yeah. McNair's life. You have to do that. Uh, and, you know, they're cool with it, obviously, but the, you have to get permission from the league for all you put on the field. Uh, plus, I don't think you could just paint grass for one game and then unpaint it. You'd probably sure have to, like, can. commit to it. Oh, yeah. You, you just wash it. No problem. Just wash soap yeah. it down. Yeah. It's like, we can't get this blue out. <laughs> they do it. Well, I mean, they have the it's end like zones. It's like a turquoise by the end of the year. Yeah. They have the end zones. They get those repainted. Eh, it's no, that's no true. But it's, it, it is an effort, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is an effort. I mean, they, they do have to do some things. And you just can't zip them in the way you used to with true. the uh, regular Astro turf back in the day when you just like can't roll out the carpet no yeah all right april 14th do you know what that day that is the day before tax day and i'll be stressed out it's also Mm -hmm. drew won't know this i thought mark would know this it's a game of thrones oh is that it the series finale season premiere oh my god and there's an nfl player set to make a cameo on it which i'm not happy about clay matthews no that would have been my guess gronkowski no also a good guess jj watt Chargers defensive end Joey Bosa. Oh, okay. Bosa. Oh, that's. I Is can it? see that. Yeah, I can Is see it? Bosa on the show. Sure. 
Sure, no, why not? Sure, I want to see. Yeah, I can do. I want to yeah, that's, that's combine not, interviews. I was there too. That's what I'm like. I, I want to see, see Philip Rivers, House Rivers, and he's got 18 <laughs> with children. The, with the bolo tie. <laughs> yes, with the bolo tie. <laughs> because back then, that's what. Oh, how they we could go to town with this segment. Who Hello? would be? Who would be a good Texan McKinney. player? Bernardrick McKinney. Bernardrick McKinney would be good. Oh, yes, because he'll take on the mountain and all those. But wait, is that the guy's name? The mountain the man? Mountain, yes. Clowney'd be good. Clowney. I don't I mean, know if dreads on. play well in Game of Thrones. Wait, who looked like a Game of Thrones character? Oh, CJ Fedorowicz, once upon he a time. He did look like Was one. actually said by a fan to look like a Game of Thrones character, and I thought that was pretty accurate. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he, he did. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's any other players that would. I wonder what mm. CJ's doing right now. I think John Weeks could fit in there. Really? I think he could. <laughs> he kind of looks like one to me anyway. Like, he could be scheming. He could be scheming? I hope he's not listening to this yeah, right now. Because yeah, he's totally not mm-hmm, the type. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, Bosa's going to be on Game of Thrones. This Both is going to be got a text from John Weeks. He's pretty mad. Yeah. Liar. He heard us. <laughs> He's always listening. Oops, apologies. Apologies, John Weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so off-season workouts begin the the next day. And yeah. like we were, t- we were talking about, around the league, one of the big stories, obviously, who's showing up and who's not. I don't know if this is a big story because off-season workouts are voluntary. Yep. But James Palmer of NFL Network reporting that cornerback Chris Harris skipped his first day of the Broncos' off-season workouts. And so it begins because well, now it's like we take attendance. You do um, take attendance. You do take attendance, and everyone's going to be watching for Jadeveon Clowney because of the franchise tag situation, and yep. that's going to be a big story here. And anybody else who might not show up, but usually here we have really good attendance with the Houston Texans. I mean, nearly perfect. And if somebody's not here for the first day or a day or whatever, they have some personal matter to take care of. It is voluntary, but you do you do get an outstanding turnout. I said yesterday it's voluntary, but it's also voluntary that you pull the – Parachute cord on your shoot when you jump out of the airplane. That's voluntary. Well, well. most oh, of these guys are point. most of these guys suggestion. are itching to just be around their teammates and to get back and to get ready because they know that other people around the league already have that two week head start on them. The teams with new head coaches. Yeah. So a lot of them are just it's it's that type that they're it's ingrained in their personality. They want to be great. I think they want to get back yeah. too. You know, it's 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 okay to be around the house and do stuff. Now, the off-season program, it's about four days a week. I don't think it's a full five no. days a week usually that they're right. here. It's about four days a week, and they're working out anyway. I mean, the guys are working out, so, hey, I might as well come here and work out. Be with the guy. What does is, what is every retired player virtually say that they miss the most when they retire? The be, camaraderie. Being, being, with, being around the guys. Being, being with the, the guys. Yeah. Well, they want to come back and be with the guys. They've had their break. It's time to go back That's to school. That's what Shane Leckler was just talking about, you know, this over the last few days, you know, he with the retirement, he misses. He doesn't miss the some of the stuff as far as the physical toll it takes on you, but he, he yeah. did, did miss being around the guys. So. All right, Drew, you also put up your latest mock draft, or yes. you're about to Houston Texans mock draft survey, and for the first time in about a month, there's now a tie. Andre Dillard had kind of been the runaway favorite yep. by most mock drafters, and now he had his he was mocked to the Texans as many times as Cody Ford from Oklahoma was. It's really Kind of, you're going to see changes over the next month. Or Ford's so. going to drop. We're going to get him in the second round in a trade up. Well, that was one of the Vandermarks. Yeah, you had Greedy Williams mm-hmm. and Cody Ford, and if that were to happen, I think that'd be an excellent draft for the Texans. It'd be awesome. I think there's no way Greedy drops down to yeah, where the Texans are, but we'll see. That that would be sweet if he did. He was actually named on four, which was the most he's been named on. So okay, yeah. Greedy Williams. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a lot, really. That's a heck of a lot. That yeah. they have and a like, corner, not just like weirdos. I mean, these are like. <laughs> Normal, I'm glad you don't do your big time, uh, big time uh, NFL media personalities. Not like draftweirdos.com. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No more Greg Little. 
He yeah, was he no, was on he was, there quite a bit earlier. He was on five different ones. Yeah, he was on five. So yeah. okay, eight, was, eight was the most. Cody Ford and Andre Dillard. But you haven't, really, you haven't seen any unusual position groups other than secondary or tackle, have you? Forty-five mock drafts that I compiled, and forty-two of them had either the Texans taking an offensive lineman or a corner. Forty-five you compiled. Let me ask you this: no, I, like I, I right. combed through, yeah, and then one had a te- uh, a wide receiver, one had a tight end, and one had a running back. Hmm. When you started doing this, when was the first one you did? Like 12 or 11 or yeah, 10? Yeah, around there. How many mock drafts did you compile back then? That was Scurf was doing it, so it was okay. probably... Three. It was probably, no, it was, <laughs> it was probably in the 20s, maybe okay. low 30s. But, okay. I mean, there's a lot gonna, more of them now. And they're still going to probably have like 10, 15 more that will come up, come out before the draft. So, Like I bet Peter King will do one. He hasn't done one yet. I oh, I see. A lot yeah. of guys, you know, so it's kind of a fluid process. Right. Good point. All right, good stuff. That's up on HoustonTexans.com. Drew puts those up every single week. Also, you're in the lab is going up. You talk with John Harris. The second part of the all-time Texans 53. We're putting up the defense today. Going to be some interesting discussions there. All right, look for that. And then coming up, John Harris will get his takes on pro days as well as the Texans running back position group and who they might be looking at in the draft. That's all coming up. One final segment of Texans All Access coming up. One final segment of Texans All Access. Joining me now, my good friend John Harris. Johnny, a lot to catch up on. I feel like you and I have not sat in studio in a while. We haven't. Since the shows were from Arizona last week with the owners meeting. So nice to catch up with you because a lot's gone down. You've also not really been um, in the building a lot. I want to get to some of your pro day impressions. But first, your thoughts on uh, Alfred Blue signing with the Jaguars. How does that change the Texans draft strategy? I know we've discussed running backs a little bit. Does it move it up a little bit in the draft order? And if so, what do you think the Texans are looking for? Um, maybe so. I don't know that it. I don't know that it changes significantly. Uh, I always, you know, it's kind of with Alfred. You know, last year when they realized, hey, look, we pr- we probably need some Deontay Foreman insurance because we're just not sure whether he's going to be ready to go, when it's going to happen. So we better go out and get a guy that knows our system, all that kind of stuff. And and look, I've I've heard over the last few years, you know, people just get frustrated with Alfred Blue, and I'm like, look, Alfred was a six round pick. First of all, he was fairly productive for you. Look, should Alfred have ever been your number one back like he was in 2015? No, he shouldn't have been. He should have been the complimentary type back that he was in years in years past. But I felt like Alfred did a pretty good job for you. Even this year, I thought he did a pretty good job for you. Now. Can can you upgrade to Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, and a third back? Uh, you know, absolutely. I don't think there's any question. I think if Lamar and Deontay are healthy, it, it, it makes for a very interesting combination of backs. But I do think that they will look at a running back in the draft. And I think there are there are ton- – we all know tackle and corner are probably the two positions they'd like to be able to address first. But you still have two other picks in the top 86 – and running back seems to make sense in the second and third round. I think there are a bunch of them. Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic um, is just a dynamo. I mean, he scored 32 touchdowns in 2017 as a sophomore. I mean, he is so quick. You've got guys like David Montgomery, who I think is just is fabulous I, from Iowa State. My point in all that, DP, is I think you can get a running back that can come in from rounds two through six and end up being a factor on this team in some way, shape, or form. The one that the, the, there are a couple of them that I think that are 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 different. 
and for different reasons. I think Travion Williams I would love to have. He's a Houston kid. He went to see King. I was going to say, wouldn't it be nice I to love have an A&M UT tandem in the backfield? I would, I would love to have <laughs> Travion. Just, um, just for that alone, I think the rivalry. I think we should have a little <laughs> UT A&M rivalry at his, the same position. His agent's a good friend of mine, and he's been in my ear. And he, I'm like, look, you don't have to talk up Travion to me. I, I love Travion. I think what what you he's, fear. He's projected around that same around spot, that, right? Around that thir- like kind around of third, third round. round. Yeah, yeah, I think on the Harris 100, I've got him in the 80s, and I think that's about where he should go. And look, if he were, if he were this size, you know, if he were 5'11", 215, Maybe he doesn't even get to the third round. He's probably in the second round, but he's he's five nine. He's about two oh five. But he was highly successful in the SEC. He had a ton of explosive runs. He's a really good. I mean, bordering a great pass protector for a guy that size. I mean, I've seen him just deliver shots to linebackers blitz, and I'm like, yo, wow. Teams are gonna love that. So, I've also heard that off the field, he's as good a leader as possible, and that's a big factor. Uh, with this roster, we we know that. So Trevion Williams, I would I would love, but there's so many guys. I mean, you could go to the back end, you know, the fifth, sixth round, and look at guys like Travis Homer from Miami, um, Marquise Young from UMass, Alex Barnes from Kansas State, guys that'll probably go that far. And those guys are all physical specimen, big running backs. In fact, I studied Marquise Young from UMass yesterday and was like, yo, this guy's a really good football player. And he was overshadowed by Andy Isabella because Isabella, the wide receiver, was. And has gotten all the ink. But Marquise Young is a really good-looking football player. And he was a kick returner. So you've got those guys that are straight-up running backs. Then you've got maybe some Swiss Army knives that you can look at deep at running back that can be a little different. For example, Nick Fitzgerald, quarterback at Mississippi State. I'm like, wait, quarterback? Well, he's not, he's not good enough to be a quarterback right now and may never be a quarterback. But look what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. Saints take Taysom Hill, who is a quarterback. He goes to the quarterback room with Drew Brees. He does everything that the quarterbacks do. But on Sunday, he becomes this jack-of-all-trades Swiss Army knife, and they, they use him on offense as a running back. They use him as a tight end. They use him a lot of different places. So a guy like Nick Fitzgerald kind of fits that mold. He could go to all the meetings with Deshaun, uh, with the quarterbacks, with A.J. McCarron. He can sit in and he can learn all the quarterback stuff. But then on Sunday, they can have they can have a different package for him because he's the second-leading all-time he's the second all-time leading rusher at Mississippi State. Behind a guy named Anthony Nixon, quarterback. That's amazing. So he's the kind of guy that I think would be kind of interesting. And also a guy like uh, Jalen Hurd from Baylor, part receiver, part running back. Uh, I think he would be kind of an interesting mix. And a guy named Tony Pollard from out of Memphis uh, is another one of those guys. He was at the Senior Bowl. He's kind of receiver slash running back, kind of hybrid. You know, kind of a hybrid player that can do a lot of different things. Because if you feel like you got the running game locked down with Lamar and Deontay, then maybe you – I don't want to say you're afforded the luxury, but maybe – you've got the luxury in some sense to look at a different type of third running back. You know, that doesn't look like the this guy's a running back, and yeah, he's going to play in special teams. But this guy is kind of running back, kind of receiver. We can do a lot of different things with him. Hey, maybe we can get creative with him. Oh, and by the way, he's going to play on teams as well. So that's what you need from a third running back. So I think especially with Deontay Foreman looking as healthy as he's looked this yeah. offseason, that was yep. something that was of concern last year. So had the Texans gone into the draft with running back on the draft board last year, probably they would have looked at something a little bit differently because they weren't sure right. Right. Exactly. how Foreman was going to look. No but doubt. I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm just basing it off of some of the Instagram videos he's posted. He looks <laughs> he looks tremendously healthy, Yeah, uh, 100% recovered from the Achilles. We, I know he came back during the season at the end of the year, still wasn't quite himself. Yeah. But now, you know, it's – it's it's been a, even a few more months removed, and by the time the season hits, you would expect that he'd be able to do everything uh, 
especially even in the offseason and OTAs. Most athletes you talk to when they have that Achilles injury, they'll tell you it's not the next year, it's the year following where they feel like they've kind of got it back together. A year and a half, two years to come out. Exactly. So I think Deontay's getting to that point, and I think think Deontay – Last year, he wanted to come back, but I don't know if he was ready to come back. And so I think that those are two different things. And so this is a big year for Deontay. To me, when I look at just the whole team, I think there are two two key X factors. One's Deontay Foreman and the other's Martinez Rankin. I think those kind of X factors, if Rankin can step up and, and play guard, and, and look, there isn't, there isn't a whole lot of film of him playing guard, but he had one game against Philadelphia, and there were many times I looked about on that field against – he was going against Fletcher Cox's, you know, Mississippi State alumni brethren, and he was doing a great job against Cox. I know he's not perfect that day, but I think Rankin's got a future at guard. He's just got to get in there. He's got to get a full training camp, and he's got to get settled. Nobody's telling – nobody's saying that he's a pro bowler. Um, you know, we're not trying to pump him up and tell everybody he's great. I think he's a big X factor for this team. I think he's got to play well. But Deontay's the other one. If Deontay is healthy – because of 233 pounds, the way he catches the ball in the backfield, with the way that he exacts a punishment on the defense because of how big he is, that takes a toll. I mean, we saw that. I saw that in New England in 17 in that fourth quarter. It was You could see it on them. When they were making tackles, they were on their knees like, man, we're getting worn out. And that, I think, would be something that, that Bill O'Brien would love to do. So if you've got that Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman mix, and you're not always going to have them. I mean, we lost we Not lost, but Lamar was injured for two games last year. But if you've got Deontay and Lamar, and that's kind of your one-two combination, then maybe that third guy, and it can, it can. I think Travion Williams would be a perfect example. James Williams is another one from Washington State. He caught 83 passes mm-hmm. last year. He hardly ran the football. They threw him the football. They threw him screens, swings. Um, Do you, you think know. they're going to go that route again? Because after Tyler Irvin, that well, you he's, know, and he's granted, different. He had, he had he, injuries too. But when when you get a running back, that's more. Well, of James a, Williams is six foot two fifteen. That's, that's a little bit bigger than Tyler so, Irvin. <laughs> you know, Tyler was not. You know, Tyler was Tyler a little was bit more slight. Yes. Yeah, I mean James Williams. It was just the offense that he was in. He could, he can run the ball. It's just he never, he he wasn't asked to because he was in that Texas Tech offense and they were throwing a bunch of things. A lot of the, a lot of those eighty three receptions end up being like wide runs, anyways. Mm. So it's it yeah, he's a great receiver, but I think he could run the ball too. But you know, look if you, I just think that third, that third position at running back, if those two are solid, then that third position becomes, hey, let's let's get creative with this. What can we do with this? That would be kind of fun. But with with Alfred leaving, obviously he had a big role in special teams every sure. single season he was here. And you've got a number of guys that are free agents that were big contributors on special teams. Do you think they go after a guy uh, as a running back that could contribute on special teams because they're going to have so many holes there? Well, I think with the running back position, like I said earlier, anybody that they would draft, I think they would expect to play on special teams in some way, shape, or form. Now, if they draft a running back in the second or third round. I was going to say a high round pick, may- maybe, maybe not so Maybe not, but – Keep in mind, last year, last year they had they had AJ Moore, they had uh, Peter Kalambai, they had uh, Johnson Batamosi, they had you know Joe Webb is back, so they've got they've got guys that were you know Joe did play a little bit of offense when they when they needed him, you know Buddy Howell was another one. Those guys all had offensive or That's defensive true. We positions. About, we forget about Buddy Howell because. That is really his role as special yeah. teams. They all have yeah. offensive and defensive positions, but they basically majored on special teams. 
as opposed to years prior, that really wasn't the case. You know, they had Brian Peters, and they still have Brian Peters, but they had Brian Peters, and he was kind of that guy. And then everybody else, they kind of pulled in from offense, defense, etc. But they had those guys that were almost devoted solely to special teams, and it showed. My point with that is I don't think Alfred's impact on special teams in particular this past year was at the level of those guys. Mm. And so I don't know that you'll miss that as much. I just think you'll miss kind of the reliable if you have to go to him sort of thing. I think you will miss that a little bit. But I think the return of Deontay Foreman and a third option and running back that you get out of the draft, I would imagine out of the draft, maybe you sign one. I know one uh, just got waived the other day who I would like to see here, uh, who's a a local guy, which would be kind of fun. Um, I would love to see him here, but – we'll see. So I do think there are some free agent options, but I I just like a lot of the rookie options in this running back class. All right. Speaking of locals, I know you visited a few pro days. It's pro day season. And you had a great story about Ed Oliver because that was here at U of H. Yeah. Um, I know everybody was clamoring to sort of see how he did. And and now after his pro day, he seems to be a top five pick. I mean, do you you think that's where he goes after watching him? Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he was worked out. I thought it was interesting just seeing, and I told us to Mark the other day, it was more high-level personnel that I've ever seen at a pro day. And it makes sense because a lot of times the high-level personnel, I think there are even more people there than at Johnny's pro day. Is that right? I mean, not not. But was not there a people. DJ, Johnny? No, there was no <laughs> DJ. There was no DJ. They weren't, they weren't messing around with that. But I saw probably five or six defensive line coaches. I saw – probably three or four GMs. I saw about three or four head coaches. I've never seen it at a pro day. Yeah, usually it you see matter. a scout see and some, a smattering of yeah. coaches. And, I mean, when he got to his position drills, Baltimore Ravens defensive line coach put him through the paces, and then the Raiders defensive line coach wanted a piece of him, then the Eagles defensive line coach wanted a piece of him, then Vrabel wanted a piece of him. So it was kind of interesting. By the time he got to Vrabel, he was gassed. But I think – with Ed, I don't think he gets out of top ten. I think top I think top five is, is maybe pushing it a little bit. I, I could see the Raiders. The Raiders did devote a lot of uh, draft capital to the defensive line last year. They drafted P.J. Hall in the second round. They drafted Maurice Hurst in the fifth round. They drafted Arden Key. They still need help on the defensive line, but they re-signed, I believe they re-signed Jonathan Hankins as well. So they, they've bolstered that defensive line. But Ed's just a different – he's just a different chess piece. So he's not just going to, okay, he's going to play the Aaron Donald position. And with, he's, you're going to have to move him around because Ed weighed 281. I thought it was interesting when I said this the other day. When it was time to do measurements, he walked up and Byron Lusby is the Colts re, uh, regional scout, and he was about to measure him, and Ed looked at him and says, nah. He didn't want to get his height measured. Huh. But he got on the scale, and he got on the scale, and he was at 281. I can almost guarantee what's, what's you. The height situ- what's the well, height Well, because people think that he's too short, too small. But it's already out there. What, what well, kind of. Well, when he was at the, but, but that's the whole thing at the at the combine, he was almost he measured almost six two, and Kyler Murray measured almost. Uh, Kyler Murray was five ten and eighth, and there was some rumblings afterwards that those heights were wrong. Now I don't know how you so get that wrong. So he's ha- he's just happy with where he was. He was happy with. I'm almost six two. I'm good with it. Could could only. I almost ran into him, turned the corner. And I'm six foot, and I was looking him pretty much right in the eye. I think Ed's six one. I think Ed is six one, two seventy seven. That's where he needs to be. That's his best weight. I think two eighty one was still a little bit heavy. 
and I don't think he ever played at that weight. I think he was probably 275 to 277, somewhere in there. And so that's problematic for teams because where exactly do you do you play him? Because for as good and quick and powerful that he is and explosive as he is, you can't leave that guy inside. He's gonna he's eventually just going to get mauled. It's just too much. So I think that's why he goes in the top 10. I think Buffalo would be a great spot for him. In fact, when I saw Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean there, I texted – uh, my buddy's a Southern reporter, and I said, "I said, hey, would you guys be happy with Ed Oliver at, at number nine? And he's like, oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And that would make a lot of sense. That's the kind of defense that he would really fit into, a penetrating up-the-field defense. I think he would fit in there perfectly. And then you would have Ed Oliver at uh, defense tackle, you know, Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. you got a tremendous secondary, Tredavious White at corner. That would be a defense you wouldn't trifle with. So I would imagine that he would not get past Buffalo at nine, and there might be some teams that know that, so maybe they they might think about trading up if they really want him. But I don't think he gets beyond ball, uh, Buffalo at number nine. All right, what are some of the other standouts at the other pro days that you visited? Which well, ones did you go to, first I'll, of all? I'll, I'll give you an intro. I went to A&M and I went to U of H. Um, I bypassed Baylor today. I did want to see Derek Thomas, the corner. He's very intriguing. But I saw him up close here at the bowl game, and it was interesting because Joe Williams got all the hype, but I was like, man, 23 for Baylor's a big dude. I mean, tall. Not very strong. He only did like six or seven reps at 225, but he's a long, rangy corner. But I decided not to go to Baylor. But when I went to A&M, all, you know, there were probably eight or nine guys at A&M that went to the combine. And they all sat on their combine numbers. They're like, you know, we're good. We're fine. Donovan Wilson did a couple of things because he didn't do everything at the combine. It was kind of a weird deal with him. He's, he, he had a groin injury, but yet he did everything but run the 40. I'm like, that's the easiest thing on a groin injury is to run straight. So I, I don't know. But either way, you know who the one of the biggest standouts was at AM Pro Day? Was the twelfth man, Colin Glaspia. Okay. The guy that you know AM fans go nuts about, you know, the guy I that wears number twelve. Him. I asked you about him after uh his big game last year. And he uh he measured in at six two, six three. I think he was like two fifty and he ran a four five six. Oh wow. And he was about to do his A&M interview, and all of a sudden he looked out and said, oh, they're doing specialists. And so he had ran over and started getting involved <laughs> in special teams. He's the kind of guy that I think you, I think he's going to get drafted too. You do? I do. I think he's going to get drafted late. I think he's going to be one of the guys drafted late because you can't find 6'3", 245, 250 that run 456. You can't. And I watched him run. I didn't have, I didn't have a stopwatch. That I was watching from behind. And when he ran, I was like, I was standing next to an agent, buddy of mine, and I said, that's a good time. I didn't know what it was. I was like, but that's a good time. Then I found out later he ran four, five, six, and I was like, fullback, special teams, linebacker. What? It doesn't matter. He you get change. a guy that runs four, five, six, you just fi- you, you, You'd find a spot you for draft him. The, you draft him and figure it out. It's the, it's the Julian Edelman plan. Julian Edelman was a quarterback coming out of Kent State, and Belichick drafted him and said, I don't know where I'm going to play you. I don't know what I'm going to do with you. But you're too good a football player, so I'm going to draft you and Someone's we'll figure gonna it out. Someone's going to find a spot yeah, for him. You draft him and you figure it out, especially the sixth and seventh round. You draft a guy and you figure it out. And it's obviously worked well with the Patriots. And if the Patriots didn't have James Devlin at fullback, I could see them doing something like that and doing something with They like Glassfield. to think outside the box. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the way you have to think about it with, with him. But he's a good football player. That's the thing. Yes, he was 12th man. Yes, he was originally a walk-on. Yes, he's a legend because of that. But he's a good football player. So... You have a guy that fast, that athletic. Fig, draft him in the sixth, seventh round and figure it out. Or put him at fullback. I mean, if you're a team that plays a fullback, 
And that's what I thought about us because, you know, maybe he ends up being a, a linebacker. I don't know. Maybe he ends up being a fullback. But you know he's going to run out on special maybe teams. Maybe he's both. You know he's going to be relentless on special teams. So you know from that perspective – um, you can spend a, a late-round pick on him and, and feel good about that because he's a really, really good athlete. So that was really the guy that stood out to me uh, at the AM Pro Day, the 12th man, the former walk-on, Colin Glassview. Yeah, he stood out to me as well in his final game. So that's, mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see where he lands. All right, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me. You're John My Harris. My pleasure. 100. Harris the, 100. The Harris 100 version. What version are we on? Version 2, two? is out right now. Okay. And as, as soon as version 2 hit, I was like, oh, I see some things I want to change. So <laughs> the final version – Version 3 is coming. It's, it's coming. coming. It's going to be here probably the week before the draft, and that will be the final locking in stone. This is, my, this is my big board. All right, I love it. You can't miss it. It's on HoustonTexans.com as well as all of our other top stories and more. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thanks so much for listening as always, and go Texans.